We're glad you've joined us for this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with Nathan Zook. We're in Washington, D.C. Uh, here, actually, the Museum of the Bible on the top floor. Capitol's right there behind us. Um, you live here in this city. You've been, obviously, this is the capital of the United States. And one thing I've, I'm, I'm really curious about. How, what is the Anabaptist view on the political process, especially of voting? Like, how's the relationship been there with, with, that, with, the, with the Anabaptist people when sure. it comes to that? So, of course, when Anabaptists um, started in the 1500s mm-hmm. as a movement, you didn't have the potential to be in a Republican or a Republican or a democracy, <laughs> and so they weren't able to vote, mm-hmm. uh, living in kingdoms and monarchies and so forth. And so when they came to the so-called New World, uh, in the British colony of Pennsylvania, uh, it was a new opportunity to, to vote and be part of the political process. And so, so many Mennonites did at that time, especially when the, uh, as you, you're looking towards moving away from being drafted forcibly in Germany, you come here, the Quakers mm. are in power in Pennsylvania, they had the state legislature, or the, in the colonies at the time, and uh, under William Penn. And so the Quakers were a little more, you could say, uh, lenient towards those who are going to be avoiding wars with the Indians and so forth. So anyways, some of the Scottish, Irish immigrants that came in were not so uh, willing to uh, allow people not to uh, be part of the military. And so Mennonites began voting in many cases for the Quakers. And so early Mennonites in Pennsylvania were mm-hmm. making a vote for the Quakers. Once the Scotch, Irish, and other uh, groups sort of overtook the um, population of Pennsylvania, the Quakers losing power, many Mennonites just pulled out altogether and hmm. began and stopped voting uh, in that colonial and post-colonial era. Mennonites who were involved in, you know, living in the area at the time of the colonies uh, had come here because the British Crown gave them allegiance, gave them, hmm. gave them power. And so the the call of democracy, as opposed mm-hmm. to the, the British Parliament or the British Crown, was not a significant enough factor for the Mennonites to say we're going to join the independent or support the independence patriots. Mm-hmm. And so many of them were accused of being loyalists or Tories mm. and uh, being too pro-British and so forth. And so um, at that time democracy wasn't their primary objective. Their primary mm-hmm. objective was to obey those who were rulers over them, honor the king and, mm. uh, and pray for the king and not to you know, seek independence in that sense. Mm. And so I think that's a, a strong statement that um, while they allowed voting, some were engaged in voting, that was not their, their primary goal to be political mm-hmm. participants in the, pro- in the process. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting piece of history. Now, so I'm curious then what effect has in the past, but also currently, what effect has that had on the current political scene, especially, so you mentioned Mennonites, but then you have, there's other groups, I think, out on Jehovah's Witnesses and a few others sure. that wouldn't be involved in voting. Right. What effect does that have? Uh, it may not be very much uh, because we, you know, the Mennonites and the Anabaptists who don't vote, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, we're, we're a small part of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. We just get wrapped up into this blurry, undecided, uh, you know, non-voter category. Un- unclear. That, you it know. gives them a little more power because it keeps the politicians guessing which way mm-hmm. we go. And so in the past couple elections, there's been a, a lot of attempts, um, hmm. especially in part of the Republican Party, to get Amish in like mm-hmm. County or other, other in Ohio to get out and vote mm-hmm. for... President Trump, President Bush, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so there is, uh, there is some awareness that mm-hmm. this undecided or non-voter block could be potentially beneficial mm-hmm. in some counties. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's interesting back in the uh, 50s and 60s uh, you know thinking back to the early Mennonites in Pennsylvania think about you know the pro-Quaker and so forth you get Richard Nixon mm-hmm. versus uh, John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon's parents were uh, Quakers mm, and John F., John F. Kennedy of course was Catholic and so uh, Mennonites being given those two options. Well, who are they going to vote for? If they're going to vote, they, many began voting for the first time in generations. They voted for the Quaker, for Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost. And so then many said, oh, you know what? We voted against God's candidate. And so hey. many Mennonites began pulling out of the voting process again. Huh. And then uh, I had a former bishop who told me that uh, he was too young to vote in that election. He came along the next time Richard Nixon uh, ran, and he voted for Richard Nixon the next time. And Richard mm-hmm. Nixon won. Then the Watergate scandal took place. He said, oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he pulled out of the process himself. After kind of that. got burned twice. Yeah. You know. So um, so I think the, 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 the Nixon and Kennedy was a big time where some minutes got involved and some mm-hmm. decided, you know, this is not for us after all. There are mm-hmm. many minutes today who are involved. I was politically involved for many years, and I consider myself a conservative Mennonite at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are many who, who do still take a, you know, mm-hmm. do still get involved in the political process. Uh, my current congregation, we have taken a, uh, a stand uh, as part of our guidelines. We will not be part of the voting process. And so for me, that was a, a difference. I knew when I committed to join this church that I'd be giving up voting, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it's been a real testimony uh, in a way I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. People who are so worked up by elections, and I can just be there and say, you know, my kingdom is not wow. of this world, as Jesus said. And, yeah, uh, we can be calm. We can be beacons of hope. We can tell. I feel like I was a therapist among my uh, friends and neighbors after the 2016 election. Um, mm-hmm. They were so worked up about President Trump's election. I only met two people before the election who were who were going to vote for President Trump. I live kind of in a bubble here in D.C., I guess. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was able to tell people, you know, there never is probably going to be as good as you hope or as bad as you fear. He, he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to fulfill all his campaign promises or threats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so mm-hmm. there's something about being able to look at politics from a distance and say, it's not a, I'm, I'm not part of this kingdom. And it can be, we can be very relaxed. And it's mm-hmm. a real way to show love to people who are um, very concerned. And we can mm-hmm. let them know that, you know, there's, there's something beyond this political life that we yeah. see here. Yeah. Can, can you share a little of your personal story? Of, sure. of, I mean, you said you were politically involved at one point. Mm-hmm. You're not so anymore. So what happened? Uh, so I was actually really involved in multiple forms of political participation. I, I was involved in um, protesting. I know the year I was 18, 19, I was involved in 16 protests, and I stopped counting after that. And just kept, wow. I was involved. I went to protests in Philly, Chicago, New York, D.C., Baltimore. It all changed for me uh, uh, back during the, uh, it was a 2002. Um, I was living in Baltimore. I came to Washington, mm-hmm. D.C with some Catholic nuns in my um, neighborhood who were coming here for a anti-war march against the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. And so I came here because I thought, I'm going to love my enemy, the Afghan people, Mm -hmm. uh, and show love for them by marching in the streets outside the White House to oppose war. And so we get here, and the nuns that I was with were very, you know, calm and quiet and loving, I would say, but a lot of other protesters were not. Mm-hmm. And they're running through the streets, burning the, the U.S. flag, the Israeli flag, they're saying abolish, you know, uh, Israel, and they're just against all kinds of things, and saying some horrible things against President Bush. I thought, I'm not loving my neighbor. 
I think I'm loving my enemy, the Afghan people. I'm not loving my neighbor, President Bush, mm. or anybody else. So I, um, that was my last protest. Wow, that's a real, yeah, it's a real yeah. conflict. It's like yeah. you couldn't satisfy both. Right, right. Uh, then with voting, that came, I still kept voting, but that ended when I, when I joined my uh, current church later. The, the fascinating thing about that was what really drove it home to me, the importance for me of not being involved, was I was still very focused on local politics. Mm. And uh, I had a neighbor running for office, uh, still my neighbor today, and uh, she was running for a local, uh, very small-scale district election. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know the other person she was running against, but I knew she was running. So I was walking by the polls on the way home from work. I thought, wow, that's a long line. It's probably good I'm not voting today, but you know, I did think, would it would have been okay to vote for that one race? <laughs> not about the death penalty, not about you know uh, the police force. Something very minor. Something very, very local, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, no, I commit, I'm not going to vote. Mm-hmm. Well, she lost. The next morning I read in the news, she lost 323 to 322. My vote would have made a difference. It would have been a no. coin toss if I had voted Way. Uh, for her. And so, but I, I, the next month, this Whoa. is in November, the next month they won, the woman who won had a holiday open house at her house. Mm-hmm. And so she invited the whole neighborhood. And so I, my family went and uh, walked in the door and I was able to face her. I hadn't voted against her. Um, it was, it, was, mm-hmm. it was much more peaceful. I thought, I don't have this hostile attitude because yeah. I didn't vote against her. She's not, you know, mm-hmm. my political enemy or whatever. And so that really, even though I thought my vote would have made a difference, but then I thought, you know, I'm just so much more relaxed. Yeah. And she went on to be a great, you know, uh, person for the community. And um, mm-hmm. it's just the idea that we don't have to get so worked up about mm-hmm. uh, the things of this world. Very liberating, almost. Very liberating. In a, in a way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, actually, going back to the 2016 election, then, mm-hmm. when everybody around me was all worked up about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to win, um, I actually went and watched um, people in different uh, locations in D.C., how they were going to, you know, view election night uh, mm-hmm. the results. And so, um, I went to the Democratic Party, and they were getting pretty depressed. I went to the Republican Party, and they were getting pretty excited. I went to the Trump Hotel, which is in the background here, mm-hmm. and, uh, and saw people being pretty you know, celebratory there. But just the whole night, I thought, it's in God's hands. Mm-hmm. It's not my business. Uh, you know, who's in power? I'm going to love, honor, pray for whoever gets elected. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell jokes about them. I'm not going to uh, dispute them. And I'll, I'll be honest, um, if I look back at who I used to be, how I used to view politics, I'd be very worked up today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was very a very strong um, very strong in the Democratic Party uh, wow. was where my leanings were. And uh, but you know what? I think uh, the president we have, the president this country has, has um, has done a lot of things that I think he doesn't get credit for. And because I was not involved in that voting process. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for whatever God has to offer with him or whoever comes next. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's definitely very liberating as a believer that mm-hmm. our kingdom is not in this world. So can you, can you go into some of the reasonings um, of why certain Christian groups don't vote? Um, what sure. would, like, from a biblical perspective? Yeah. Well, I think a big part is, is Jesus saying, my kingdom is not in this world. He mm-hmm. does say in Matthew, the kingdom of God is at hand. So his kingdom is mm-hmm. here. He's already you know, instituted his kingdom, but it's not of this world. And so he wasn't seeking political power. He wasn't trying to be a revolutionary, and he didn't speak out politically against Rome, mm-hmm. the most, you know, you could say one of the most uh, oppressive empires, definitely of that time period, but of, of all times. He didn't speak out against them, and uh, he, he really tried to 
you know, pay taxes where it was due. He exemplified a, a person who is a citizen of a different kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, that's a big part, I think, for uh, Anabaptists to consider is that our kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. Also, in 1 Corinthians 5, where, uh, there's, there's a story there about a man who engaged in fornication. Paul is encouraging the church to take action and judge this man and do something about it, mm-hmm. uh, not to commune with him and so forth. But then he says, but those that are without, God judges. And so that's oh, why wow. we don't get involved in jury duty. Mm-hmm. We don't get involved in um, the kingdoms of this world. God takes care of that. Uh, and I think God does have a hand in elections and in mm-hmm. trials and so forth. But that's not our, our role. Mm-hmm. And so as we can, um, you know, we are called to make judgments in the church, but not outside the church. And so voting would be one of those judgments that mm-hmm. um, is made. I, I think a big thing, though, is the a big downside I am seeing in the church, in the Mennonite mm-hmm. church, is that because we live in this society where voting is upheld as this ultimate good, mm-hmm. we also then try to apply that in the church structure and think that uh, our churches should be yeah. democracies and so forth. And if you think about it, God has called people to ministry, He has called people to political leadership in mm-hmm. different realms. Uh, and I think He wants people who are going to be there who are going to think through things and work through things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even see as being politically beneficial for us to have a vote because if I haven't thought about the issues and I go cast my vote mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody who has been put in place by the Lord as a governor or as mayor mm-hmm. or something who that is their calling to carry that out um, I'm going to mess up the political process mm-hmm. if I use my vote in that way and then the same thing happens in the church we think we need to rally majorities and you mm-hmm. know get a majority to our side and push things through when in reality I think in the church, God's calling for a loving approach. We're going to be mm-hmm. seeking um, maybe consensus, but seeking, um, may not always be consensus, but he, we're, we're going to be seeking a thoughtful, prayerful approach that mm-hmm. may not look like the church politics, like the world politics. So. Yeah. Yeah. So can you, can you just respond to um, a, a, what's a very common response that says, oh, well, by not voting, you're, you're not doing your civic duty sure. to, to your country. What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's many ways we can be uh, involved in our civil society mm-hmm. uh, through getting to know our neighbors, making our, by us, you know, walking around, meeting people, and knowing people that can help make our streets safer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many ways we can accomplish great good through volunteer activities, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you consider the issue of homelessness, mm-hmm. if you would put your time and energy and resources into changing government policy, mm-hmm. you're still going to have hungry people who are in need along that time. So we're called to feed the hungry, we're called to you know, clothe the naked and so forth. And these are real immediate needs that, are, that can be addressed. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we put our focus on politics, uh, it might be years until the funding gets to the people in need. There's a lot we can do in the immediate, mm-hmm. here and now. And I think we are called in Isaiah to you know, break the yoke of oppression. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't view that as being, as I used to, a political strategy. Now it could be um, helping people to move beyond the cycle of violence through, mm-hmm. through training, through teaching, and so forth. It doesn't have to be through um, pushing through government policies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you consider the amount of time it takes to vote, 
Uh, you know, you have to get educated. You have to feel, you know, figure out who's running. If you take the time, as many people do not. If you uh, mm -hmm. figure out you know, what the issues are, and then you, you know, take a time out of your work day to go to the polls and stand in line and vote and so forth. And what, what's the end result? You, you have helped to elect somebody who doesn't know who you are. Mm -hmm. They don't know, um, you know why you voted for them. It could have been you like their name. You know, it could have been you like their party. It could have been you thought they had a nice smile. Um, so really, voting is a very inefficient way of accomplishing um, things. Whereas if you took those same three hours and donated your whatever you, income you made from those three hours to those in need, if you, you know, worked or volunteered in a, in a shelter or a you know, mm. children's tutoring center, mm -hmm. and there's so much good you can accomplish in that three hours. So I think our, our civil engagement can be very valuable outside of voting, if not maybe even more valuable. And I think maybe something, well, something the earlier church would have really stressed is just it's prayer for right. you know Absolutely. for the government. And we have you know we don't we can't really quantify what effect that has, but right. God moves through the prayers of His people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways in which um, I think we can avoid um, doing more harm than good if mm -hmm. we get involved in the political process. We become part of the hostile nature of society it's almost doing mm. more harm to the that cause of christ yeah the, the polarization, polarization yeah it's very interesting yeah i think as, as our loyalties become more to political parties people will see mm -hmm. through that it's mm -hmm. not an authentic christ followership if we're yeah tied to yeah. a political party wow i did an experiment um with some ministers and uh and others in my fellowship recently a couple years ago uh, we took this political quiz mm -hmm. has 10 questions um on you know different political issues. And I said, before we take this quiz, we're all Mennonites. We're all conservative Mennonites. We're part of the same fellowship. Um, think about how Jesus would answer these questions. Now go ahead and answer this. Oh my. So we did. <laughs> and we were all over the political spectrum. Because the thing about those questions was, there's no right or wrong answer. This is, this is more mm -hmm. Christ than the other. So, you know, compassion for the poor, we believe that's a basic principle. But is that going to be exhibited through increase options for charitable giving or is it through increasing social welfare program issues I mean either either way yeah you know yeah. both sides might say well, we, this is the Christian way to do things but actually when you divide into partisan politics or mm -hmm. you know, policy it's hard to say which is more wow price like the other and yeah so we we're very muddy is, yeah. Yeah. yeah so so every both you know everybody could have been trying to think how would Jesus respond but Mm -hmm. The questions being asked are so stilted towards either or, either Republican or Democrat, mm -hmm. or liberal or conservative. Mm -hmm. So our calling isn't to set up the, the kingdoms of this earth. And when Christ mm -hmm. was given the opportunity, he turned it down. That, yeah, and, true. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, he, you know, he knew when Satan tempted him with that as not um, going to have the eternal results yeah. Yeah. of what he was called to do. So. I mean, right now we have a very um, polarized situation yeah. in America, and so you have Christians kind of, you know, planting their flags on, on one party or the other. Right. But you would probably argue, ne I mean, neither of them really works. Right. Yeah. yeah go into that. So, yeah. I mean, you have you have a strong group saying, you know, to be Christian is the Christian right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Republican Party is closer to Christian principles, let's say, on abortion mm -hmm. and so forth. But on the other hand, you know, what about the Christian left? Um, there have been many people throughout uh, recent history who are, you know, strong professing Christians, but yet they see liberal mm -hmm. politics as mm -hmm. being stronger. So, like on the environment, or mm -hmm. on, um, on maybe the death penalty, they feel that's closer to scripture. Well, 
about it, I think the two, the two parties are not going to uh, really address the fullness of Christ's kingdom mm -hmm. uh, on either side. And so um, being forced to make a choice between the lesser <laughs> of two evils, wow. well, the lesser of two evils is still evil, perhaps. Yeah. And so uh, we don't have to lower ourselves to make that decision. Mm -hmm. There's other ways we can engage um, instead of saying, well, I will compromise biblical values on this issue to get this other issue accomplished, which is what Republicans and Democrats have to do all the time. The, you know, yeah, yeah. In the Capitol, it's all about compromise. It's all about trying to negotiate. Sometimes some Congresses are more successful than others, but mm -hmm. they're, it's all about compromise. When in reality, uh, there are certain principles that we can't compromise. We can't, mm -hmm. you know, um, say that this sin is now okay. Mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. because we want that party to accomplish some other greater good. Mm -hmm. So, moving away from the idea that we need to compromise uh, or we need to be hostile to each other. Either way, yeah. Christianity can take a third perspective. It can be more consistently following Christ if we, True. Uh, mm -hmm. if we don't get derailed and distracted yeah. mm -hmm. by the things of this world, yeah. whether it's politics or something else. Okay, so now that we've kind of outlined these convictions, what would you say to the people listening or watching this right now um, when it comes to current political things or upcoming elections, how should their response be? What would you encourage them to do? I would say uh, be very careful not to agree when somebody is going on the attack against a, a, a politician or a mm. candidate. Um, that person could end up being your next president or governor or mayor. Mm. Uh, it could be the current leader and we're called to honor that person. And so. Uh, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be really hard in 2020, mm. let's say 2021, to honor the president mm -hmm. if we have spent all of 2019 and 2020 attacking their candidacy, attacking wow. their campaign promises, making fun mm. of them, making jokes about them. Um, it's going to be hard to then turn around and honor them. Mm -hmm. in January of 2021. And so I think that's, that was a big part for me looking back at 2016 and 2017 mm -hmm. is that, you know, if I get all worked up about the election, even though I knew I wasn't going to vote, if I get all worked up about the election and make big statements, I can't believe, you know, he said this or she said that, uh, she or he could have been my next president. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to backtrack and then you know, take back what I already said, it's better to only have loving things. We are we are held accountable not for mm -hmm. whether we have uh, you know voted for somebody. We are held accountable for what we have said about them, what our tongue has said. Wow. And the tongue is a powerful weapon, and uh, we're hurtful. And are we are we leading other people astray from not mm -hmm. honoring their king, mm -hmm. uh, not honoring their their God ordained political leaders? Yeah. And God talks throughout Scripture about you know the Pharaoh was his servant and Cyrus was his servant. These were not godly people. They mm -hmm. worshipped false idols. Um, Cyrus the Great accomplished many great things for the Lord, but he gave credit to Marduk, some other mm -hmm. false idol. And so, are we pointing people towards Christ or towards you know attacks against who He has mm -hmm. in place? And so I think a big part of it is not mocking, not making fun of, not being disgusted. Or We're not to be complainers mm -hmm. in Scripture either. And so you know, mm -hmm. what we say, our tongues are a big part of that step of, of faith in allowing God to be yeah. God and to rule 
and humanity as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. We don't know the consequences of, of you know, voting actions, and so it's, it's better to remove ourselves from that. But I think a big part is our, our attitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A Christ-like attitude, a, yeah. a, a Christ-like, um, you know, if, if Jesus lived here today, yeah. right here, and he was here, how, how would he be discussing this? How would he be looking at these people? How would he treat them? Right. Would he be all worried and you know, mm-hmm. exhibiting disgust at who, who is in power, what, you know, what Herod's going to do next? And he, I mean, he, yeah. Of all people, he you know, just barely escaped with his life from yeah. you know, an evil king who's trying to get rid of male children, in his, in, uh, him in particular. So yeah, there's a lot of things that could be said about abusive government in that mm-hmm. time, but he doesn't, he doesn't go there. It's very but yet, what he did had definite political ramifications. As he, yeah. as he allowed zealots to be part of his disciples <laughs> and tax collectors. I mean, he, he brought in both sides of the political aisle, so to speak, much more radical than what we see in Republicans Ooh. and Democrats. So he had anti-government disciples, and he had government mm. employees as disciples. And, um, <laughs> and, and he doesn't in any way act like that's strange. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's calling them to a higher calling. And that, that, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Wow. Well, thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, taking the time. And yeah, this has been really good. A lot to, a lot to think about here. We are delighted that we can bring these episodes to you free of charge and make them available across the internet. We put a lot of work and money into travel and production. To keep producing episodes, we need your help. One way you can support us is by making a tax-deductible donation by sending us a check or donating online. Another way to support Anabaptist Perspectives is by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Anabaptist Perspectives. By joining on Patreon, you will gain access to bonus content, including exclusive live stream footage and a special Q&A podcast with the Anabaptist Perspectives staff. 